Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Today we kick off the second part of an interview with Raul Hernandez, athletic director at Northside Christian School down in St. Pete, Florida. And man, was it a fantastic interview last week as we talked about sports and kids and the place it has in their lives. Today, we're going to pick up with more difficult questions and more good tips and helps for parents as they navigate their kids through sports. Join us. Like a good friend of mine told me one time, he said, Raul, we're called to raise Division One Christians, not Division One athletes. And I don't think sometimes, listen, if, if you do all those things and, and God gives you a Division One athlete, praise God. Uh, yeah. But what I don't want to miss is I don't want to miss the other way where I've developed and trained this, this phenomenal athlete and they have no substance uh, of godliness or fear for the Lord or anything like that. So uh, I, I kind of swung the other way. And um, listen, I respect parents who, who have their kids involved in, in, in the club and every family has to make the choice that's right for their family. For us, uh, faith was just too important. Uh, church life was way too important and ministry was way too important. For me to roll the dice and uh, and 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 not have my girls around that. Oh, it's good. I think I have one question I, I want to ask you because I know there's parents listening out there and they've got kids that feel the pressure of wanting to be the starter. They wanna they wanna be that athlete and they're not. And I know uh, as a coach, I've talked to so many parents through the years who said, you know, how do I help my kid? through right. this journey yeah. of not being able to be the most valuable player on the team sure. and yet still enjoy the sport. How right. do I help my kid find that all, their own personal balance? Because, you know, right. not every kid is going to start. Not every kid is going to hit home runs. Not every kid is going to, you know, but there's going to be kids that do. And so if your kid's not one of those kids, how do you find, how do you help your kid to, play and enjoy and yet find that balance in their own heart and in their own world. I'd love for you to speak into that because I know there's parents that ask that question all the time. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm one of those parents. Um, you know, my son right now, who's, who just turned 12, he's, you know, he's in a, a 12 year old team that he plays on and stuff. And, and he's, uh, you know, I, I would say that he's probably of the 12, he's number 12. If we were to rank him on talent, he's the least talented of, of the 12. And so the way I've navigated that along with even my daughters and stuff, none of my daughters have ever been the best on their team. Uh, none of them have been the superstar. Uh, but what we've told our kids all the time is this, success is really taking what God has given you and, and taking it till its full potential, right? And so we go back to the parable of, of uh, uh, you know, the guy that had the five talents and the two talents and the one, right? God gave one five. He, he worked uh, he invested and and he turned up with another five, right? He ended up with 10. The guy who had two, he did the same thing. And so you can see in that parable of the talents that, that God gave each student, each student athlete, each player, each kid, a different level of talent. And, and that was to God's choosing, right? So what we tell our kids is this, you don't have to be like anyone else. You just have to be the best version of who God called you to be. And if that means that, listen, you're the ninth guy on a roster of nine, let's do that to the best of our ability. Now, what I don't have any tolerance for with my own kids or even my athletes on my teams is, look, if God has given you the talent to be a seven, 
don't be a four, right? So I think two things in navigating that process with, you know, if you have a son or a daughter who may not be the best on the team, there's two things that need to echo out of every mom and dad's mouth on a regular basis as they're going through their youth sports experience. Number one, you are not defined by the sport. The sport does not define who you are. Your value does not come from the sport. Your value comes from the Lord. Your value comes from your relationship with Christ and who he's made you to be. He is who you say you are, not who the sports people tell you. We live in a society, of course, that celebrates the superstar athletes. We celebrate home runs. So the time that the kid is five or six and he scores three goals in a rec game, we're celebrating him and we're calling him the next Messi. And so kids (laughs) very quickly gravitate towards, hey, this is who I am. I am a soccer player. So we have to counter that as parents and me as a coach and a parent to say, look, this is not who you are. This is something that you do. It's not who you are. And so I remember my daughter in eighth grade, uh, she, she won the district championship in cross country as an individual. The very next year as a freshman, she came in fourth, even though her time was better. And what happened is her district just got better. Yes. And when she crossed the finish line as the fourth runner, she, she was beside her. She couldn't believe it. She thought she was going to win the district for five years in a row or something. And she walked under a tree and put her hands over her head and just was in disbelief. And so I had to put the, the father hat on and go over to her and say, Jasmine, let me explain something to you. Running does not define you, young lady. The Lord defines you. You, you get your worth from him, not from running. Running is something you do. It isn't something you are. And I said, now take your hands off your head and go cheer on the rest of your team. So, so one thing that parents have to do is continually echo the importance that the sport does not define their worth or their value. And, and sports, as you know, Reba, it's, 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 it's failure, right? They fail a lot. In the sport yeah. of softball and baseball, there's a lot of failure. Absolutely. And so failure does not define you. So we constantly talk about that. And then number two that's important is, are you really doing the best you can each and every day that you're out there? Are you improving? Are you getting better at this sport, right? Uh, the Bible mm-hmm. talks about that. Whatever we hand our, our, our we find our hand to do to do it uh, at a hundred percent of our of our effort. So the question is, are you doing everything possible every day to get better and being a good steward of the time, resources, and talents that God has given you? And if that talent is to is to be the fifth best player on your team, amen to that. Right? If it right. means that you're going to be a cheerleader on the bench and cheer everybody on, do it to the best of your ability. So it's constantly reminding them that sports does not give them their worth. Their worth comes from the Lord. And then remind them constantly that they are blessed to be a part of a team and that there's lessons to be learned by being part of organized sports, youth sports today, that really they can't learn anywhere else. They don't learn it in a classroom. They don't learn it by reading a book. It's it's learned in the world of sports. Um, I love to say this all the time. Sports doesn't build character. It simply reveals it. So when you Mm -hmm. strike out three times in a game, how do you handle adversity? How do you handle failure? Yeah. And so to me, sports, again, is just simply a platform to teach life lessons. In my case, is to, to teach kingdom lessons uh, as, as kids go through the world of sports. That, that right there is just, man, if you didn't catch anything else in this podcast, if you just hit that replay right there on the last five minutes of this conversation, uh, if you're a parent and have kids who enjoy sports, um, that right there is is gold. What he just said is just so gold and will really, really help you as a parent, not only you, but also your children. 
to be able to find their way and navigate their way through the through the wonderful world of sports. Uh, as we've said, we're we're sitting here as three coach, you know, two former coaches and one current coach and athletic director. So it's not like we don't love sports. So right. um, so really, really good, really good stuff. So uh, Roll, this has been fantastic. Don't you think, Allison? I mean, this is just oh, a winner, right? And 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 I think so many things that I've written down. I'm planning to take some of this, uh, you know, over to the gym uh, at my next workout. But the other thing, so many of these, the, so many of these truths that he shared with us transcends the sports world. And we know that it, it, it goes into every aspect of our life um, as we're leading, as we're teaching, as we're um, parenting. And, and I think that's been so valuable. So I'm, I'm really grateful for, you know, and I've got my notes here. All of I'm, some of these are going to end up on a t-shirt. Uh, somewhere, but we wanted to end as we always do. And um, with some, just some quick rapid fire questions and uh, Reba and I, as we always do, we'll just go back and forth and Raul um, can just uh, jump in and Reba will eventually will be able to do these rapid fires in Spanish. She's going to be working on that um, okay, yeah. for now. We'll just do it in English. <laughs> um, but besides the Bible, yeah, besides the Bible, what book really has impacted you uh, in your, in your life or is currently impacting you? Uh, sure. Yeah, there's, there's a couple. Um, one of them is, is a recent one. It's a book that, that I read called what every man should know. And it's about the four priorities, you know, faith, family, fitness, and finance. It's it's a great book. Uh, I had a lot of books uh, impact me early on. I wasn't a reader till I became a believer, but one of them is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. What uh, was a big book on relationships, uh, How to Think and Grow Rich. So a lot of those those books that aren't necessarily faith based, but but there's a lot of things you can extract um, out of there um, that 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 are just. Uh, powerful, uh, powerful book. Probably the one book that has impacted me the most in the, in a ministry standpoint is a book written by Jim Simbola, the Brooklyn Tabernacle called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Fire. Uh, that book yeah. to me is, is, um, uh, an architectural work on how to build your life in a church. And so th those books have, have made uh, big impacts on my life. Yeah. That's one of my favorites too. I, I have that one on my, uh, reading list as it cycles right. through and I get that's to read right. that every, a couple times, uh, as yeah. it goes through. Um, so Absolutely. we know you're an athlete, we know you're still an athlete at heart, but, uh, it'll, I think, so this question will be interesting, but what do you enjoy doing in your free time? Sure. Uh, wow. In my free time, it's hard to think about that. I've, I've been asked that question a number of times and this is going to sound bad, but I, I spend most of my free time, honestly, um, watching my kids, watching my kids do their thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, they, they told me one time that parenting is like having a piece of your heart out walking in the flesh. And it's, it's an extension of you, right? So I, I spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of my free time, uh, just really spending time with my, with my kids. Uh, but great. for me personally, the only thing I do that I, that I do for myself, and I do it pretty early so it doesn't eat up into my, my family's time, is I walk. I walk in the mornings uh, to try to, stay, try to stay in shape, and, and that's the time I use a lot of times to pray. So walking is something where I really get to disconnect and uh, and 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 just spend time with the Lord and and uh, just just get some exercise in. That's good. And hey, what is something that people often get wrong about you? Oh gosh, uh, there's several things probably. Um, one of them is, ooh, the, the the biggest one here at work is uh, probably that I am. This is gonna this is gonna sound bad, but that I'm never here. Uh, <laughs> like I'm never here at the office and. Um, and they're probably right. And, and the athletic director work is, is one that isn't quantified by, 
you know, if, if I were working maintenance, for instance, and, and my job was to, to cut the lawn at the school, you would know if I did my job or not because the cut would be, the grass would be cut or it would not. Right. A lot of what an athletic director does is is really behind the scenes. It, mm-hmm. It's taking your football coach who's struggling in his marriage and having a two-hour conversation, um, maybe at a local bakery, uh, mm-hmm. away from people, and, and people don't know that. And, and yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, and I don't share that with people. But I read a book. Speaking of books, Reba, I read a book early on in my athletic director career. And it was it was entitled "You Cannot Lead from Behind the Desk." Mm. You cannot lead from behind the desk, and it was written by the international CEO of Marriott. And so, in this book, this gentleman uh, talks about how his job was to travel the the world, travel outside of America, and check on Marriott owners across the world, places like Dubai and London and Australia. So he was never in New York. He was always traveling. And, and trying to get a feel for what was uh, going on at these hotels. Was there a need? How can we help you? So on and so forth. And, and I remember reading that book and I said, well, how's this going to help me as an athletic director? I'm not a CEO right. or a hotel executive or anything like that. And the way it helped me was I, I see myself as a CEO of this athletic department. And so how can I take what I learned in that book into real, real life? And so what I do is I travel the hallways. And a lot of our coaches, our teachers, uh, here in our school. Uh, and so I make it a point to to go into their classroom and say, hey, I know that you don't have a minute to come see me. So I'm going to come see you. What can I help you with? How was the game last night? Is there anything you need help with? So I don't stay in this office much and I don't want to. Uh, that's not what I signed up for. Um, I'm a people person. I want to be around people. I want to solve problems. And I'm not going to do it by, by throwing emails out all day. Uh, so I travel a lot. I travel around. I take uh, former alumni uh, out to lunch. And I'll close this question with this. We're all impacted by the experiences we had as we were growing up. As I mentioned earlier, one of the significant impacts that took place when I was 19, 20, was when my athletic director took me out to lunch on a Friday. He took out a 21-year-old young man who didn't really have, wasn't in trouble. I wasn't out doing drugs or alcohol, but I really didn't have a sense of where I was going. Yeah. And he took time out of his day on a Friday to take me to lunch and basically set me on a course that has now gone on for 26 years. And so what I like to do a lot here in my role is I keep up a lot with our alumni and I, and I call them and, and I visit them and I, and I ask how they're doing. And when I see or hear that one of them is beginning to struggle or maybe here's a good example. You get a young man that goes off to college to play football on a scholarship and two years later he suffers an injury. And all of a sudden, his football career is over. Now he's back home living with his mom and really no plan B. That's where I like to come in. Well, that's going to take me leaving this little office I've got and going and meeting with that young man wherever he's at and setting a plan for him, just like that athletic director set a plan for me 26 years ago. And so the criticism, back to the question, is Raul's never around. And and I love it. I used to get bothered by that. I used to like, how, how dare you? You don't even know what I did. But now, now I take it as a badge, as a compliment, because you're right. I do want to be an athletic director, an administrator that sits in an office, firing off emails and pushing paper around. It, it drives me nuts. Um, I'd rather be out where, where Jesus was and, and with the hurting and stuff. So That's good stuff. Sorry about the long-winded answer on that one. Oh, no, no. That's a good one. So what's your favorite movie? You got a movie you just didn't Oh, of course. Of course. My favorite movie of all time is Rudy. Oh. <laughs> how, how do you not? How do you not love the underdog? A kid who was undersized and uh, and had to grind it out and uh, 
you know, that's a, that's an all-time favorite for me. Uh, oh, Rocky, good. Rocky three, of course, is, is another big go. one. Um, yeah, I, love, on I love inspirational true story movies. Yeah. Not a real science fiction person. I, I love anything that has to do. You know, remember the Titans, real stories, mm -hmm. uh, true life stories. I love them. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rocky three. You and I have that in common. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you're sitting down with your favorite movie, what do you guys like to eat? What's your favorite P meal? Pizza is always the pizza is always there the food of choice at our house. Yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff that oh that's good stuff so give me a, a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy wow uh, there, there's there's several um I, I can think of a of a recent one is we we have a, a former former player of mine who was an international student here uh from Colombia, and uh he came and and uh his first year could not play because he, he was ineligible. And so he ended up being a part of the marching band. And, uh, and then he played for me for three years. He was, uh, he was, he was a division one talent. And uh, to see what he went through leaving Columbia, not knowing the language to come here and, and, and work. Uh, and now he's at Montreal college as a junior uh, was an all American there. Uh, and he's about to get his degree. So here's this 13 year old kid that I met, you know, 11 years ago. Uh, who left his family to come here, sacrificed it all to get an education, learn the language, and and then now he's getting ready to a year away from getting his bachelor's degree and graduate here in the United States is a uh, it's a dream come true, especially for someone who who's you know an immigrant, a son of an immigrant like me. Uh, it, it's it's a highlight, but uh, the the biggest thing is is watching watching kids. Um, where they are today. Uh, one of my former players is now the one of the theology provost at Wake Forest. Um, when he came to us as a junior, he was an alcoholic, uh, did not have a GPA to play. Um, and his first comment to me when he met me, when he toured the school was, hey, coach, how are the girls in the school? And so to go from that to now this guy is married with three daughters and he's, he's a theology professor, he's a pastor, and he's written a book recently. It, so there's not one moment. Uh, there's just a lot of moments as a coach. I had the the blessing in 2004 of winning a state championship as a head coach. And that, that was a highlight, but there, there's no greater highlight Reba than, than watching kids surrender their lives to Christ and then watching what God does through them. Uh, you know, you know, Nathan Hale is, is one of my former players, which of course is Allison's brother-in-law. I had the privilege of coaching him in college at Clearwater Christian and to watch him go from a young man that didn't have a lot of confidence uh, to now being an athletic director at a high school and coaching, coaching the sport and, and building his family. That, that to me is, that's the real trophy. That, that is the highlight. Uh, I've always said that trophies come in human form, uh, not in a metal or plastic. And uh, that, that's what I've coached from day one for. And that's why I continue to be involved in sports. It's not for the trophies, but, but for the transformation of the lives that we impact and come across. Mm, yeah. That's amazing. And thank you for mentioning Nathan and giving him a shout out. So we'll definitely make sure he uh, he listens in yeah. to get that shout out. Uh, and we are so proud of him. And yep. uh, so our last question is what and I and we did give you a heads up on this. What keeps you rooted deep? Well, uh, rooted deep in my faith. Yeah. 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 So I, I start to think about. Um, there's two things that draw me back to really staying rooted. One is the sacrifice that my mom made uh, to leave her potential future husband, my dad, 
she left her family, her father, her mother, her sisters, left everything really uh, to take a chance at freedom uh, because she knew that uh, faith in, in Cuba was very uh, oppressed. And she knew that I was going to grow up to be possibly an atheist or, or who knows what. So uh, whenever I want to quit, whenever I feel like, man, this is just too much, it's not worth it. Um, I, I think back and I look at my mom and I think back to the sacrifice that she made. You know, we often, when we talk about our kids, we talk about handing the baton off to our kids, right? And we always want our kids to do greater things than even we did. My mom didn't hand me the baton. She actually brought me to the track. And the track is is this great country, right, that we have. And, and so it's it's almost impossible for me not to work hard because I would really be negating the effort and the sacrifice that she made uh, 50 years ago. So that keeps me rooted, of course, in, in that. But, you know, when I think about what the Lord did for me, right, when what he did on the cross and, and, and what he suffered, um, leaving his place, uh, you know, by the right hand of the Father and, and taking on flesh and walking 33 years and then obviously suffering the brutal death on a cross and, and being raised again to life. That When I think about his sacrifice, I can't, again, I shared a message not long ago at our church about the importance of soul winning, the importance of winning souls and the, the importance of preaching the message of hope found in Scripture. And and I told the church, when we don't do that, when we when we take winning souls for granted or we don't make an effort in, in communicating the gospel, we're basically, in essence, saying, look, God, what you did on the cross was really wasn't that important, right? But in reality, the number one priority of the Father is soul winning. And Luke 19 says that he came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission statement. So what keeps me grounded in my faith is really... Uh, what the Lord did for me, what he did for us. And and when I think about the number of times where God has just pulled me out of the mire, um, it, it's just hard not to, it's hard to walk away from that. Uh, so those two things, my mom, of course, and, and on the earthly realm and, and what, what I just, when I contemplate what God did for me uh, on the cross and how he rescued me at 19 through an Amway conference of all things uh, and how he weaved my life uh, as, as it is today, I, there, there's just no going back for me. Well, it's been great to have you uh, on the podcast today. And I think uh, as people listening, uh, you know, who've got kids uh, or investing in their time in sports, I think this was just a great reminder of, of truths that are so important for us all. Yeah. And as Allison, I think so wisely said, even if uh, you don't have little ones who are coming up into the sports realm, right. there was a lot of great nuggets today to pull out that fly across life. Uh, yep. no matter where you sit and what you do. So thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I, I definitely think we're going to have to have you back again at some point in time sure. uh, because uh, this was a, just a great opportunity to, to chat about this and sharing with us your story. Uh, it's just a great encouragement. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Reba, let me share one thing. I, I would be, I'd be remiss to not say this. This is one, another nugget that parents can take. And this is something I learned from actually one of my own baseball parents. I, I, I practiced, I created a practice of when, whenever my kids graduated from high school, if I ever saw their parents anywhere uh, down the road years later at a Publix or a supermarket or in a gym, I would always ask that father the question, hey, if you had a mulligan, if you had to do it all over again, in other words, if your child was back to being five, what would you do different? Mm. And most of the parents gave me pretty much a standard answer, which was something along the lines of, you know, Raul, if I had to do it all over again, I would just shut up, 
pull up a chair and just enjoy my kid playing, right? I wouldn't give him the 20-minute speech on the way home, <laughs> why, why his uh, you know elbow was too high on the swing or whatever. So all of them pretty much agreed. I would just be a dad, right? I'd shut up and enjoy them and, and, and watch him play. But let me tell you something. A few years ago, I ran into one of my dads whose son had gone on to play at Aiken, South Carolina. And um, his sophomore year, hurt his elbow, ended up having surgery. And the doctor brought him in after surgery and said, son, listen, um, here's the good and the bad news. The good news is you, you will one day be able to throw catch and play catch in the backyard with your son. But the bad news is you will never pitch on a mound competitively again. Your elbow will not throw a baseball at a high, at a high level. And the father shared that story. Of course, I knew the story because he was one of my former players. I remember the injury. I remember calling him. But the father, here's what he told me, and this is what I would always, this is what I always share with, with parents. Um, I, I do an annual father-son overnight weekend camp where the parents get to, to pull up a tent and stay overnight. And, and, and I share this with every young father that I can find. It, and it's the advice that this gentleman gave me. His name is Jason. He said, Raul, when, when my son went through his injury and we realized that baseball was over for him, what we found out in the next few days, weeks, and months is that he and I, father-son, had absolutely nothing to talk about. We had nothing in common because, and here's my advice to, to parents, their whole relationship of father-son had been built, built on the foundation of this game we call baseball. And once baseball was taken away, they had nothing else to talk about, meaning they never went fishing together. They never went and played golf. They never went to go see movies. They never watched the sunset. Their whole experience, their whole existence as father and son was, was it revolved around a baseball field. And so when that was taken away from them as, as he was a sophomore in college, he, he noticed that in those few weeks and months leading or after that, they had just nothing to talk about. They had no subject of conversation. And he told me that when my son was eight. And let me tell you something, that rocked me because I was kind of heading down that path where... I felt like everything my son and I did had had to have a baseball tied to it. And I changed the way I approached my raising him because remember I had three girls and finally I had the son and I was going to be able to, now he's my baseball guy. Yeah. And, and so ever since then we started doing things that he wanted to do like skateboarding and, and fishing and, and even playing video games as much as I dislike video games. But I started to really pursue the things that he wanted in order for that to be a bridge, I, I couldn't, it couldn't just be about baseball. And you'll know what I noticed that when I started to do that, he started to fall in love with the game of baseball even more. So my, my advice would be to parents is make sure that the sport is not the only thing that you're building your relationship on. Because the day that that kid turns around at 11 and says, Dad, I hate basketball. I don't want to play anymore. You have nothing else. You have nothing left other than that sport. You, you need to kind of make sure that you're building your foundation. Hopefully, first and foremost, on the rock, right? On Christ. Mm. And, and then secondly, on other things besides that one sport. Mm -hmm. Man, that's good. Well, I can't think of a better way to close this podcast um, than to leave you uh, munching on that thought and to leave families just kind of figuring out what strategies that they need to take right now. We always say this, if you learn something, respond to what you learn. So if you've heard something that you've really connected, it's pricked your heart today. You Man, you thought, wow, I see myself there. Don't just turn the podcast off and push it away, but actually uh, kind of do what Raul just said. Wait, wait a minute. Stop me in my tracks. Let me relook at how I'm doing what I'm doing with my kids and 
and maybe I make some changes here that in the long run are going to be so much more valuable to you had you not heard that one piece of advice today. So, uh, so make the changes, stay rooted deep. And again, thank you, Raul, for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you, Reva. Thank you, Allison. All right. Well, everybody have a great day and stay rooted deep.